Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. In this study, we are going to clarify what is confusing to many people. We are going to show with certainty that the rapture, what the Apostle Paul calls the blessed hope, that it happens before the wrath of God. And as we've learned previously, it is a separate event from the second coming. Two different events for two different people. In the rapture, believers who are still alive, they will be removed, lifted up from this world and taken into heaven. But during the second coming, those same believers and also those who have already were in heaven, they will be with us all returning to this earth with Messiah. That's what 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13 says. And now we're going to see a scripture that makes this very clear from the text that we've been studying for several weeks from the book of Matthew and chapter 24. So I would invite you to take out your Bible and look there with me. The book of Matthew and chapter 24. We're going to begin in verse 32. It begins with a type of parable. For example, verse 32 says, And from the fig tree. Now this fig tree is Israel. When you study the prophecy of Hosea, he calls Israel a fig tree. It's known as a fig tree in extra-biblical writings as well. So make no mistake, what Messiah is speaking about is important. It's important to watch Israel because Israel's going to go through a change whereby we know that we are approaching the end times. All of these signs that he's spoken of and now he's telling us it's a command from our Lord and Savior that we're supposed to be watching the fig tree Israel. So he says, and from the fig tree learn the parable. Whenever the branch, literally her branch, referring to the fig tree, it's feminine in, in the Greek language. Whenever her branches become tender and her leaves do what? Go forth. So we're speaking about a fig tree that is ready to give fruit. And therefore, what we should glean from that is this. When Israel is prosperous, when Israel, for the most part, has returned back to her borders in the land of Israel, and Israel as a nation is flourishing, therefore, we should expect at that time that this prophecy will begin. What Yeshua taught will become a reality. It begins the process. 
So once more, learn the parable from who? From the fig tree. Whenever her branch becomes tender and her leaves sprout forth, give forth, know that near is the summer. Now, this was written in Greek, but perhaps when Yeshua was speaking, he was speaking Hebrew. And the reason why I say this is that we see perhaps a play on words because he mentions a word, summer. And the word summer in Hebrew is kayetz. It's written very similar and sounds similar to the word ketz, the end. And we've spoken about the fact that this end is something that's been emphasized. And he goes back in this section, and by the way, we learned that in verses 3 through 15, Messiah speaks to the disciples about what believers will experience in the last days. Then in verses 6 through 31, what we've studied the last few weeks, he speaks to disciples, but not about disciples, but rather about Israel. And now in this section, he turns again to his disciples and he speaks about what disciples will experience in the last days. And he commands, and this is important, he commands all of his followers who are alive in those last days to watch, to pay attention, to learn from watching the fig tree Israel. And when she is prosperous, when the fig tree has tender branches, when the leaves are sprouting forth, he says, at this time, be aware that these things that I've been teaching you, they're about to become a reality. So he says, when you see these things, know that summer is near, meaning the end is near. End of what? That same end that he's spoken of so much in the first half of this chapter, the end of the church age. Why can I be sure about that? Well, as we continue to read, it becomes very clear. Look now to the next verse, verse 33, where he says, Thus also, whenever you see all of these things, now he's speaking to disciples, and when he says all of these things, he is not speaking about those things that will happen to Israel. He's speaking about those events that he spoke of in verses 6 through 15. He says, when you see all of these things happening, you know something. Look again. When you see all of these things, you know that he is near at literally doors or gates. Now, this is speaking of Messiah. Know that he is at the doors it's plural and the reason why it says doors instead of door and if your bible says it in the singular it's not translating it correctly the reason why it's in the plural is because he is coming to every believer's house he is coming to every believer to gather them up to remove them 
prior to, just like a verse that I say over and over when teaching about the end times, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9, that we have not been appointed for wrath, but rather to receive salvation. And therefore, the rapture must happen before the wrath of God. This word for snatching us away does not mean to preserve us in place, to help us to be able to survive, to come through the wrath of God. That's not what this word arpazo means. It means to snatch away, to remove quickly. And that's what he's going to do, and he's going to do it before the wrath of God falls. It is so significant that you realize this, and this is exactly what Messiah is going to teach us. So if you are disagreeable now, that's fine. But when we read the next few verses, it is going to become obvious. If you disagree now, you may just be uninformed, mistaken, heard the wrong teaching, believed the wrong thing. But now we're going to bring a change. This is a cure. Not my words, but what Yeshua taught. And we don't have to spend a lot of time debating what it says. Just take the simple interpretation, what's literally said. So look again. It says, you know that he is near at the doors, meaning he's coming for all believers. Verse 34 Truly I say to you that her or this generation will, will not pass away. Notice what he says. I tell you that this generation will not pass away until all these things shall be. What's all these things? Well, now he's speaking about this generation and he's speaking about all what took place, what he said. In verses 6 through 31, all of those things have to happen. And what brings about the end of this age, not the end of the church age, but the end of this world in a normal condition, unfortunately, a sinful condition, what's going to bring a change to all of that? It is the second coming. Messiah is going to return and he's going to do primarily three things. He is going to judge, destroy the enemies of Israel. Those who want to thwart the purpose of God. And after destroying the enemies of Israel, he, in his second coming, not speaking about the rapture, but the second coming, he will deliver Israel, save Israel. They will look upon him who has been pierced, and they're going to receive him, that one-third, that remnant of Israel. So first thing, destroy the enemies of Israel. Second, save Israel. And what's the third thing? At the end of this age, what will happen? A new reality. The establishment of the kingdom of God. So those are the three things the second coming brings about. Deliverance for Israel the destruction of Israel's enemies, and the establishment of the kingdom of God. That has to do with his second coming. And he comes the second time at the end 
of God's wrath being poured out, what the book of Revelation calls the wrath of the Lamb. But we're not speaking now about the second coming. He is speaking to believers about what believers will experience. And notice how things get very clear. He says, truly I say to you that this generation will not pass away until all of these things be. Verse 35, the heavens and the earth, they will pass away, but my words shall never pass away. We can be assured that his words, what Messiah said, they are true and they are going to come into fulfillment and they have eternal consequences. What does that mean, eternal consequences? It means that they have a kingdom connection. It is the kingdom and those who are part of the kingdom that will experience that eternal blessing, that will be recipients of those eternal promises of God. And all of these are written where? In his word. So heavens and earth is going to pass away, but his words will not, they have a kingdom relevance. Now verse 36. It's in verse 36 that we get to the heart of the teaching in regard to our blessed hope, the rapture, and why we know that the rapture and the second coming are two separate events. The rapture happens before the wrath of God begins, and the second coming happens at the end, at the conclusion of God's wrath being poured out by the Messiah. And this is something as well that we need to understand. It is Messiah who is the one who initiates, pour out, executes the wrath of God. The scripture says, God is speaking, he says, all matters of judgment has been given to the Son. He is the judge of judge. We know he's the king of kings, lord of lords, but he's also the judge of judge. He, and that's why Revelation chapter 6 speaks about the wrath of the Lamb. But look now to verse verse. 36. Concerning that day, what day are we speaking about? Well, we're going to be speaking about that day that refers to the coming of Messiah. Which coming? His second coming or the rapture? It's going to be clear. He's speaking to believers, about believers, and he's speaking about that which will happen prior to the wrath of God. And therefore, we can be assured. If it's before the wrath of God is the rapture, and the second coming's at the end of the wrath of God, we know for a fact they're not the same event. Look at verse 30, 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Meaning, concerning the rapture, no one knows the date or the hour. Just that simple. But that does not mean because I don't know the day or the hour that it can happen just anytime. We see that there's things that have to be fulfilled. What things? The things that he spoke of from verses 6 through 15. Those things have to happen. Once more. 
Concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not the angels in heaven, and some will say, not even the Son, except only one who knows, is my Father. Now, Messiah is speaking, and it's more likely, and the Texas Receptus leaves out that phrase, because it's probably not original, not the Son. But other manuscripts included. And let me just simply say this. Whether you believe it's there or not, of little value. Why? Because the Son, when Messiah speaks of himself as the Son, it reveals that he is totally submissive to his Father. And in being totally submissive, not only will he do the Father's will, but he will also be a perfect example for us. And Messiah, we saw in Philippians 2, he emptied himself. He never stopped being the Son of God. He never stopped being God. He never stopped being divine. But, but he didn't utilize that. He came fully as a man. And here, what the scripture is saying in the Texas Receptus, it says, no man knows, not the angels, only the Father alone. Some manuscripts also say, and also the Son does not know. But if that's original, it is because the Son has, has not relied upon the things of God, his divinity, in serving God. He served him fully as a man, but he never ceased to be the Son of God. Here's what's important. Look now to verse 37. No one knows the day or the hour of the rapture. How can we be so sure that we're speaking about the rapture? Verse 37. But just as the days of Noah. Why is that important? When we speak of the days of Noah, we can be assured from what we're going to read in a moment. That this was prior to the flood when it says the days of Noah. It's referring primarily to when Noah was building the ark. And what was Noah doing? He was a preacher, the scripture says, of righteousness. He was speaking about the righteousness of God, which manifests our unrighteousness. And because I know I'm unrighteous, I will want to repent. I will seek God's mercy. I will seek his forgiveness, his grace, and I'll want to obey him, follow his words, do what he says. But that generation did not. That generation was a wicked generation. And even though they witnessed for for 100 years, Noah building that ark, no one other than his family, Noah's wife, his three sons and their wives, only those eight people entered into the ark with those animals that, that Noah was instructed to bring into the ark. Actually, the animals came of, of themselves. And we see that this happened when? Before the flood, they were, and notice what the scripture says, and let's be very accurate. Look again at verse 37. Just as the days of Noah, thus will be also the coming of the Son of Man. And again, this coming of the Son of Man is the rapture. Why? Just keep reading. 
For just as they were in the days, those days, they were eating and they were drinking. They were marrying and being given in marriage when? Just as they were in those days when? Before the flood. I want to emphasize that. Look at it again. It says, just as they were in the days prior to, before the flood. They were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage. Now, those are normal occurrences. Things were, were basically unchanged. Now, how do we know that this is before the wrath of God, before the flood? Well, obviously, during the floodwaters, when they came, no one was, was taking part in a marriage, being married or being given in marriage. People weren't eating and drinking. They were drowning. Now, what we know is this. When we read the second part of the book of Revelation, when we focus in on those trumpet judgments, and those bold judgments, when we look at those events, they are not natural. They are clearly supernatural events that has no scientific explanation. They are things that everyone's going to see. It's God. God is angry. This is his wrath. But nevertheless, they're not going to be repenting and learn something else. At that time, at that time, they will not be carrying on as normal. They won't be having weddings. They're not going to be having banquets. It will not be life as normal. But rather, it will be chaos. It will be outright fear, pain, suffering because of those trumpet judgments and those bold judgments being poured out upon the earth. So when we read here, in this text where it says just as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying being given in marriage this is before the flood came that's why it says before the flood look now to the second part of verse 38 until the day that Noah entered into the ark and then shortly after, according to the book of Genesis, seven days after Noah entered into the ark, what happened? It began to rain. And that rain, that rain falling is symbolic. It should be understood as a symbol of God's wrath that destroyed the earth with water. And notice what the scripture says. Until that day that Noah entered into the ark, and they did not know until the flood came and did what? Carried all of them away. And that word for carry away, it's literally the word for lift up. Who is it referring to? It's referring to Noah, his sons and their wives, those eight individuals that were lifted up, how? In the ark. They were above the floodwaters. And that's the example that God gives us here. He says, still reading in verse 39, he says, thus will be also the coming of the Son of Man. 
And he gives an example so we know that we're talking about the rapture. Why? Look now to verse 40. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Now, in the field symbolizes something. It symbolizes work. Secondly, it says as well, two will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Now, here, the first example in the field, it's in the masculine. It's referring to men. The second example is referring to women. And when we talk about male and female, we're talking about humanity. And people will be at work at that time, meaning they will be doing those things that we should be doing. Work, this is what we've been put on the earth to do. And it says it's not about being in some special location. It's not about anything other than have you received the gospel. And notice the language here. It says, just as in the days prior to the flood, there's going to be one in the field and he'll be taken. Another one in the field, he'll be left. Another one will be a female grinding at the mill, doing that work. She will be taken and another one will be left. Now, what is the scripture saying? This taking, this removal of the disciples of Messiah, believers, it happens prior to the wrath of God. Just like we see from this example of Noah. The days of Noah, a call to repentance. Get right, call upon the name of the Lord. People had the opportunity. Life was still normal, eating, drinking, marrying, being given in marriage. But this was before. And then what happened? The floodwaters came. It was too late. But he says prior to that, it's going to be this way. One will be removed, one will be left. One will be removed, one will be left. All dependent upon what? What they have done with that saving message of the gospel. Look now to, to our last verse, verse 42, where it says, Therefore you watch. Watch for what? All these signs. It's interesting, and people ignore this. When Messiah teaches about the second, uh, or should say, when he teaches about the rapture, he says, watch, watch. Why? He's told us why. All of these signs that have to take place that must be fulfilled. What you see in verses 6 through 15. So he says, therefore, watch, because you do not know what the Texas Receptus, what hour? I believe the Nestle Allen edition, most Bibles say what day. But the best manuscripts have hour. He says, therefore you watch, be alert, be paying attention. Why? Because you do not know what hour your Lord comes. And it's so important that we see him being spoken of as Lord. Is he your Lord? Do you live in submissiveness to him, not just being your savior, but him being the Lord of your life? My hope and my prayer is you do. 
Well, until next week, shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.